These are your colleagues, people that you're going to spend 24 and 48 hour shifts with. So winning an argument is actually not the goal. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again. Hey, we're back from Firehouse World in San Diego. It was fun and exhausting. So this week, we're going to do something a little different. When you live with your coworkers for 24 or 48 hours at a time, arguments are guaranteed to come up from time to time. How you resolve them makes a huge difference to your future relations with your coworkers. My guest today can show you how to have an argument without starting a war. Leanne Davy is a conflict doctor. She's a New York Times best-selling author, a keynote speaker holds a Ph.D. and is an expert in organizational psychology. And she joins us now to tell us about the mistakes we make in every argument. Thanks for being on Code 3 today, Dr. Davey. Oh, I'm so pleased to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Scott. What causes most arguments to end badly? It's actually, uh, they end badly because they start poorly. (laughs) So normally what we do is when someone raises an issue with us that makes us uncomfortable, we, our first inclination is to protect ourselves or to defend ourselves. And so we contradict them or we uh, come up with a wonderful reason why they're completely wrong (laughs) <laughs> and all of them <laughs> and all of those things no matter how right we are all of those things signal to the person that we don't want to hear them um we don't like them we don't value what they have to say and that's how we set off the conversation into a fight instead of into problem something together problem solving something together so it's they end badly cuz they cuz they start badly So what is the one mistake we make in every argument? Yeah, so the one mistake is we miss validating the person who who has raised this difficult topic. And it's just the simplest, simplest thing once you learn the secret. (laughs) But it's something that is extremely uncommon. Uh, It's much, much, much more common for us to make the mistake, which is to protect ourselves or disagree or contradict right off the bat. So how do we avoid making this mistake? (laughs) So uh, you have to take a deep breath usually. It takes uh, a lot of courage to really sit there for a minute in the discomfort. But what you do is when they say something, you know, really hard for you to hear, like this chili is the worst chili I've ever tasted. Maybe that's something that happens in your uh, in your fire halls. Um, instead of saying, are you kidding me? This is the best chili recipe going. Um, in, instead of that, say, wow, you think this is the worst chili you've ever had. And, and that's, that's quite a high distinction. <laughs> It's true, exactly. And I like your sense of humor because uh, a little bit of humor is very disarming. And 
uh, you know, is much more likely to turn the conversation into a conversation. You know, it, it might just be that the person has a particular aversion to, you know, kidney beans and, and that's all <laughs> that's all it was really about. And and yet, uh, you know, we tend not to have that sense of humor. We don't we don't uh, leave room for the other person to tell us what they're thinking. We shut them down as fast as we possibly can. That's the big mistake. All right. If that's the mistake, we want to win the argument, right? So how do we do that while validating their opinion? I'm going to stop you there and say, uh, I think if you you think about the situation you just talked about, right? These are your colleagues, people that you're going to spend 24 and 48 hour shifts with uh, for years, right? You may be in the same firehouse with somebody for years and years. So winning an argument is actually not the goal. It's the same with your family. Um, you know, do you really want to win the argument at home? Uh, or do you want to have a constructive conversation? Do you want to leave the situation trusting one another more, communicating better. So I would say our first problem is if we if we think the goal is to win the argument, because we can win the battle and lose the war. So the goal is really to uh, to get to a good solution for both of us. That's, that's more of the uh, goal than to win the particular argument. Now, what if we're discussing something that actually does have a defined win? I mean, chili, all right, you can say that's your opinion. Yeah, so maybe uh, in your setting, an example would be uh, a new policy or something that's a new um, um, safety regulation or something like that. And somebody may be uh, resisting it or fighting against it. Um, and, and it's really, really important to you that they, in the end, follow the safety procedure. So that may be a more realistic example. Um it's still the same idea that you want to validate them. So if their reaction is, you know, they're expecting me to wear this piece of equipment and, you know, when I'm wearing that piece of equipment, I can't, I can't see anything. I can't, I'm useless. Right. And that may be uh, their first salvo in, in the argument. So it's the exact same technique. So in the end, your goal is to get them to wear the safety equipment. Um, but you're going to have a very different conversation about that if your reaction is, suck it up, buttercup, put, on the, put it on. Put it on, um, yeah. Which, yeah, which might be um, a legitimate and common uh, response. Um, but if you instead said, uh, okay, you, you hate it because you hate what it does to your visibility, um, the person is going to, you know, their shoulders go down two inches, they take a bit of a breath, and instead of being in that fight mode, now they're actually saying, oh, wow, he actually listened to me. <laughs> like, it, Wow, it just came out of his mouth. Um, and then you have the chance to say, okay, tell, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what, what's going on? Show me how you're wearing it. Um, you know, tell me the situations where it's okay and the situations where you're having troubles. Um, you know, you open up a conversation that gives you a chance to understand. Now, this definitely does require that you genuinely believe that there is something for you to learn in the conversation. And, uh, you know, I'm 45. I haven't found very many conversations where there isn't something for me to genuinely learn. And, and maybe all I'm genuinely learning about is where their resistance is coming from, but that's still something to learn. So when they react like that, when they say, this is, you know, this is crap, I'm not wearing, I'm not wearing this, 
Um, if your response is, okay, you really don't, you really don't like this. This is not working for you. Um, that's the technique to use so that you can actually get into a conversation where you hear one another. It sounds as though what you're saying is that we want both sides to win or believe that they've been satisfied. Yeah. So if in that example, um, what you really want is for that person to feel, look, I've been heard. Um, you know, the captain respected what I had to say. I was hearing it coming out of his mouth. He gets that this is an issue. And so in the end, if I have to wear it, um, at least I feel like I had my say. Um, you know, I was heard. I was understood. And as grown-ups, you know, we're pretty accustomed to the fact that sometimes we have to do things that we don't really agree with, but we're much, much happier if we've had an opportunity to uh, speak our piece, um, be heard, and, and if we really genuinely feel like uh, the people that we're arguing with um, understand us and know where we're coming from. Let's shift gears a bit. How... How can we deal with someone we just don't get along with, but we <laughs> but we need to? Yeah. Oh, that that never happens to your listeners. I'm sure that never happens. Well, I once heard a piece of advice that sounds great if you can pull it off, which is make him your best friend. If you can pull that off, that'd be great. But do you have anything else that might be a little more realistic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think that the big thing is um, to really try and understand where this guy is coming from. Like, how how is this even possible that he thinks these things? How You know, I was with some friends last week. How is it possible these guys could could uh, could like the Patriots? How is that even possible? <laughs> it's, you know, it's so far fetched. I can't even imagine someone who could like the Patriots. Well, so now you're see, you're talking about something really divisive there. <laughs> that's why I. That's why I gave you that example, right? So, <laughs> uh, so uh, what you're trying to do is just find one tiny, tiny place where you can get some kind of insight about why they are the way they are, right? So the nice thing is if you've got that downtime around the chili pot to to talk and to shoot the breeze about all sorts of things. Those are great moments to get some insight about people. Understanding, you know, where they came from, where they grew up, what their family was like, um, you know, what it looked like around their dinner table, uh, the th things that have shaped them. For, for most of us, those are the things that now show up in our behavior. So there could be a guy who's just kind of, to you, he's belligerent and you don't like it. And he's a bit of a bully. And, you know, and, and that's what's really rubbing you the wrong way. But suddenly you learn that, you know, he didn't have this, you know, awesome physique when he was little. He was the, you know, he was the littlest guy on the playground and he got picked on and he had to, uh, you know, sort of grow this fake uh, tough guy persona to protect himself. And, and that tiny little window gives you something to empathize with, something to understand and something to get it. So with people that you really don't like, what's interesting is we actually, when we don't like somebody, what we do is we spend less and less and less time with them. So we have less information with which to make a connection. So it gets worse. So, the, so your friend who told you to, to make the guy you don't like into your best friend, I would say 
the intermediary step is spend more time with them, not less. Um, you know, really make the effort to create a conversation, but do it with questions, right? You know, uh, I'm trying to think of examples of why, you know, we'll go back to the Patriots. The Patriots, how on earth could a guy from, you know, the Midwest, like the Patriots, like those pansies from, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, and they, you know, they may say something. It's like they may say something interesting. Like, you know, my granddad grew up in Boston and he was always a Patriots fan. And for me, the Patriots is like watching ball on a Sunday with my grandpa. And right. Or and you go, oh, wow, maybe you're not a jerk after all. Like That, I have a grandpa. that changes the whole landscape. Yeah. So. Um, the problem is that when we don't like somebody, we fall victim to what psychologists call the confirmation bias. So we look for all the things that tell us we were right. See, he is a jerk. You know, not only does he like the Patriots, he's got a bumper sticker for something else we don't like. And and uh, and what's with that sweater? Um, so we we look for the things that confirm our judgment about the person instead of looking for the things that um, that point to the fact that maybe we're overstating the case. So, oh, look at that. He actually, you know, works on weekends down at the homeless shelter. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, A, when there's somebody you don't like, don't um, pull away from them, but instead push yourself to spend a little more time with them. Stay at the dinner table a little longer with them um, and, you know, ask some questions. When somebody says something you really don't like, try and figure out where where in the world does that come from? And you, and you don't have to do it in a Pollyanna way. You don't have to be wimpy about it. You just have to literally go, I, I find that so hard to relate to. You know, where where does that come from for you? You can literally just say it like that. Sounds like a good way to avoid starting or continuing a war. Yes, exactly. All right, Leanne Davey, thanks for talking with us today on Code 3. (laughs) My pleasure, Scott. And there's more info and a link to Leanne's website so you can hire her or order her books on our website at code3podcast.com slash conflict. Check it out. It's time for your trivia question. This one's either really easy or really tough. You may know that Philadelphia used letters instead of numbers as designators on its truck companies in the 19th century. You're pretty smart. Now name the other city that did it. No Googling. I'll have the answer right after this. Ever notice that Scott always tells you that you can get a guest's book at our website, Code3Podcast.com? That's because we have links to order their books from Amazon on the episode's show notes pages. It makes it easy for you to get the books, and it helps support Code 3. When you buy Amazon through our website, we get a small cut too. And it doesn't cost you any more to order through us. Plus, there are other firefighter-related products there too. Take a look at Code3Podcast.com. Here's the trivia answer. The other city that used letters, not numbers, on its truck companies in the 19th century was Washington, D.C. If you knew that, congrats, you're smarter than me. 
All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.